0: Hello, guys, and welcome back to Motor Up Sports. I'm your host, Kenny Eaton, and today we're focusing on the Lions, Michigan State, of Michigan. So I just want to get going because it's week one. NFL, everybody's buzzing. We have a sellout at Ford Field for the first time since 2017 on a regular season game that wasn't Thanksgiving. The hype is real. Hard Knocks has everybody fired up, and I'm ready for some damn football. So the first ex- expectations I just want to go through today is where do I think the Lions will finish in the North. I think they're going to finish second. And it's not because they're like a second-place team. The defense sucks. The offense will be pretty damn good this year. But the schedule is pathetic. When you draw teams like Jets, Giants, Seahawks, Jaguars, you have free wins across the board. Vikings can't relate to that. And I, I honestly do think the Vikings will be like 9-8 and eight as well. We'll probably end up tying in second place. But Green Bay, clearly the first-place team. You can't pick against Rodgers. Every single year, Rodgers has been a quarterback – He's won the North. And whenever he's about to lose the North, as we saw a few years back with the Lions, he still finds a way to win it. This year's is probably the worst Green Bay team I've seen with Rodgers. And I still think they'll win the North. Rodgers, I hate him. I think he's, he's a piece of shit. Probably was the guy that ran Devontae Adams out. And honestly, he should have just retired. As soon as Devontae left, he should have said, fuck this, I'm done. But Rodgers is back for another year to take the North and get bounced in the first round. That's why I expect the Lions to finish second. It, it, they're a third, fourth place team any other year. And the Bears suck. Like, the Bears are two free wins for everybody in the division this year. So I think second place was a realistic finish. Would I be pissed off if they ended third? No, I mean, honestly, they are a third place team. Would I be pissed off if they won five games? Absolutely. But a 9-8 season... First winning record in a couple of years. The hype is all over right now. And I just think that second place, realistic. Here are my three keys for a win Sunday. Number one, the Lions need to establish a run early and often. Because if we could take pressure off of Jared Goff for making a big throw at the end of the game or a big throw at the end of the first half because Swift is having himself such a good game, I just would love to see us run all over that Eagles-D line. And that brings me to, like, my second point here. And it's, they, O-line needs to be as good as it's advertised to be because it's clearly is the strongest point of the team. And it's time to prove it now that they're healthy. Sewell coming into his second season, we saw what he did last year. Had O-line actually been hyped up to be, like, a position for rookie of the year, he could have been in the race. But obviously there's no stats for an O-lineman. He will be the best O-lineman out of that draft. Yeah, that's an easy, not too hot of a take prediction to make but they need to protect Goff. They create holes for Swift and they need to give Goff a lot of time because the second that Goff gets hurt this year, boom, that's your season. And the O-line will be the reason if Goff gets hurt that he gets hurt. So they need to be on their A-game all season. We need another 100-yard rusher. DeAndre Swift's done it a few times here, but you need to get that 100-yard rushing. The O-line's going to establish that for him. I also think if you flip to the defensive side of the ball, you need to contain the run. Force Jalen Hurts to make throws. Because we know how bad he is throwing the ball, especially on the run. He can't throw for shit on the money. If you can take out the run game, and this is why I think Hutch will be one of the biggest X factors on this team, not just this game, but all season, is he needs that big coming out party. He needs to make a few sacks, tackles for losses. This is the perfect game to establish yourself as a pro NFL edge rusher. Because the Eagles, this is the perfect team with a scrambling quarterback to make yourself look good. This is the game for That D-line needs to contain the run. Because if you contain the Eagles run game, you're going to force three interceptions with the shit secondary. I want to switch to the X-factor of this game. And my X-factor is DJ Chark. I think he's your X-factor because we've established when we signed him, he is your number one receiver. And we didn't see anything of him in preseason. At least to start the season, he's probably your WR1. And if he performs, everybody is going to perform. Because I know that we know St. Brown's going to show off with golf. We know that connection. We saw it in the second half of the season. They were very good together. The Chark-Goff connection, we haven't seen yet. We've heard all of training camp. This connection is crazy. This connection is real. Now it's time to show it. Because if he can get the long ball going, and that's Goff's weakness, if he can start throwing the long ball this year, that offense could be prolific down the stretch with very bad teams to play down the stretch. This game, though, DJ Chark needs to establish himself as a receiver one for the Lions, not, re- not receiver two. Because we know St. Brown's going to be more likely receiver two until Jameson comes in. Then Jameson probably steps up in the receiver two role right away. I think Chark will be the difference maker of this game. Hutchinson will be your X-factor on the defensive side. Though I'm most curious to see Okuda, and I'm going to be watching him extremely closely because I've heard great things out of training camp. He was the number three pick, as we all know. He's busted so far miserably. For this game, I would love to see Okuda ball out, which is not my expectation for him at all. But if he balls out and shows that he is a serviceable cornerback one or two in the NFL – I will be happy. I don't expect him to go out and look like Patrick Peterson the rest of his career. I just want him to go out there, establish yourself as a cornerback too, because I don't think he'll ever be a cornerback one ever again, especially with a position where you run on your Achilles. I don't think he's going to come back the way that he was in college. He wasn't even that good when he was playing here. So the expectation for Okuda is low, but I would love to see him ball out and have a crazy game and just show everybody that he's still around. and He is the number two pick, number three pick and that we've been proven wrong. That is a pipe dream that I would love to see on Sunday. And if it happens, the Lions can be a good defense. With Olari and him playing, playing your two corner spots, I, I think there's a good chance that that secondary will be decent. Won't be good. Won't be bad. It's gonna be an average secondary, which I'd be okay with. So my expectation for this game set the tone for the season, and do not blow a fourth quarterly. And let me get to that because I, I honestly, my guts telling me the Lions are gonna win, but the inner Lion in me is saying they're gonna blow it in the fourth. They're gonna be in it. They're leading everybody on like they do every year to sell out at Ford Field. Everybody's fired up, and they're gonna find a new way to lose. That's the inner Lions in my head talking to me. Do I think they're going to win this game? Yes. But I don't want a silent ride back from Detroit to East Lansing, and I don't want to take that normal walk of shame out of Ford Field with your head down, everybody's sad, because the Lions found a new way to lose. They better not on Sunday. I'm worried. I'm really worried about that, not just because of this, it's the Lions, but it's because they did it in the preseason. On the first preseason, they blew that fourth quarter lead. I think it's just something that is in the Lions' like DNA. They come here and they just blow fourth quarter leagues. I don't know what it is. If they come in there and they don't blow a fourth quarter lead, I will be the happiest man ever. They better win this game. You need to set the tone for the rest of the season. Because if you set the tone with a loss, not just the Detroit media is going to be all over you, but the national media is because the national media has been watching hard knocks. So this is a year where you cannot underperform if you're the Lions. If you underperform, everybody's going to hear about it forever. You're going to be embarrassed as a Lions fan, not just on a Detroit level, but on a national level. So they better not come out and embarrass all of us on Sunday. But I want to focus a little bit on Hard Knocks now in that last episode with the cuts and everything. I liked the episode a lot. I liked seeing like what's going on behind the scenes. You kind of got invested in these players a lot throughout, like Pimpleton and some other dudes in their Blau. Can't stand Blau, but at least he seems like a really good guy. I kind of felt bad for him that he got caught. At least he got picked up by the Vikings. I wish him the luck there, but my, my God, he was bad. But... I liked seeing a lot of these guys at least leave the door happy that they had the opportunity to make a 53-man roster. Because a lot of guys would more likely leave and be like, okay, okay, fuck this team, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know damn well that he was bringing in high-character guys to play in camp. Those were high-character kids that were balling out in training camp, and obviously didn't work out for most of those dudes. when it was like twenty-five of them didn't work out for. But I will say it was nice hard knocks in Detroit. It was nice to see Dan Campbell show his personality, show he's the man, showing that he's the guy that's going to bring this team back, or they were never back, but bring this day, team to glory days that they've never had before. I hope he's that guy because I loved what I saw. Moving on though, I want to just focus in a little bit about the Lions fantasy players for the week who do i think is going to score the most points i honestly don't think golf's going to score the most and typically the quarterbacks score the most fantasy. i think deandre swift is the leader this week i think right behind him is going to be golf and right behind that is going to probably be St. Brown and then Chark. Him and Chark will probably be at the same same numbers. I think Swift's going to have a huge week. The O-line is better than it's ever been. It's healthy. It wasn't even healthy last year. And they were still really got a healthy O-line. I think you're going to be looking at a really good game from Swift. A game where the Lions aren't going to be throwing the ball like they sh- normally will be. And I hope I'm right. I think DeAndre Swift leads this team at points. I think he has like a 15, 16-point fantasy game this week. He'll have a touchdown, probably get a few receptions here and there. we will run for 100, 105. I, I expect him to be the leader in fantasy this week. And then if I had to pick a score for this game, lines by four, 28-24, 20, they get a little scared in the fourth quarter. I think they, they come in the fourth quarter with a big lead, and they almost fucking up. Now I want to move on to Michigan State football. They should manhandle Akron. It shouldn't even be close. I mean, that team is four and 27 in the last 31 games. And they barely beat a D two school. Now, granted what I've been reading about Akron is this coach. They got was a courier there in the past. He was the Mississippi States old head coach. And he had 40 players this offseason, the majority of them being transfers. But I'm not worried. It's accurate. But they have nothing to lose. I think Michigan State goes in there, and they're up like 35 and a half. And I hope I'm right. Because if they don't win this game by four touchdowns, I'm scared. And I'm watching Peyton Thorne very closely. Because we need him back to 2021 form. And I want clean football from him. Clean football. And no overthrows. I think it and Jane Reed are going to have huge gains and we're going to get the run game going early with Berger and I just think it's going to be a shit show for Akron. I feel bad they have to make the drive up here. I need the front seven to create a bunch of turnovers and the secondary needs to actually play a complete game for once. If all this happens... I'm really happy about this game. Michigan State also needs to find a kicker because that field goal, that forty whatever, forty-four yarder, was brutal. How bad he missed it! Now, granted, he's a true freshman. That was his first career kick. I'm gonna give him some a break here. I'll, I'll come slack honestly. But if he does this again and again and again and again, then I'm gonna be on his ass. But he's a true freshman, so I'm giving him a break. He's fixed this going this week. Make your field goals. I think everybody needs to take a deep breath and take a step back after that week one performance, including me, myself. said it. The most improvement you see is from week one to week two. This is the time you need to show the improvement because you're going to Washington next week. If they come out here and struggle again, they're going to lose to Washington. This team better play better than they did last week. They won 10 games last year, and I think they played a worse start of the season last year than they did yesterday. And that's why I think everyone's kind of freaking out because the expectations are so high now. People forget, like last year in the beginning when they opened up against Northwestern, they played a pretty bad game until Kenneth Walker just took off in the second half. They played a brutal game. Now granted, Walker had five touchdowns, but they did not look like a complete team at all in that game. They really started to show it against Miami, which is your week three game. Again, Is Washington, so you're playing a road game against a power five school that isn't that good, but they'll give you a game. They'll give you a little test to start the season. So I'm worried if they come out again this week and they lay an egg then i'm like shit they might lose to washington and yeah washington's a horrible team but packed 12 on the road under the lights it's a little scary it's a little scary i don't think people can argue that everyone needs to take a step back take a deep breath everybody's overreact telling you everything's going to be okay but if thorn comes out and plays like that again I am scared. I want to move on to one last segment today of Michigan football and them having a night game against Hawaii. This is what I'll say. I don't like night games at Michigan because of the tradition thing that Dave Brandon broke. Now, granted, do I think Michigan had to do it because of TV rights and because of all the other new things that are coming in college football? Absolutely. But they shouldn't be playing a night game against Hawaii. And I get it. The game slate this week is horrible. Like it, it might be the most boring game slate I've ever seen. The fact they're playing a night game against Hawaii, it's kind of stupid to me. If you're Michigan and you want to make a tradition of night games, do it once a year against Penn State, against Michigan State, against another big team. And obviously you don't do that against Ohio State. That's a noon game. It's always been a noon game. You keep it a noon game. I don't think these night games are even like cool anymore for Michigan fans. Like they were cool. I remember they were cool a decade ago when you played Notre Dame. I was like, oh my God, night game. And you had the biggest crowds in Michigan football history for those games. Now it's like, it's just a night game. Who cares? And that's another issue I actually want to get to is like these television stations. I get heavy night games. You put Texas A&M Alabama on primetime. I have no problem with that. But if you're going to throw Michigan State and Western primetime on Friday night or Michigan and Hawaii on Saturday night, come on, find something better. Or don't play a fucking night game. Because I sure as hell don't want to watch that at 7 o'clock at night. They're bad games to play at night. That's a television issue. And I get it. Like, you want to put Michigan. Because that's a brand. They're not a college. They're a brand for for sports. I don't think people can really argue that either. We all know Michigan and J.J. McCarthy are going to manhandle Hawaii. And this is J.J.'s job to lose. And I'll go into that right now. If he fucks up somehow this week, now we have another quarterback race. For UConn, but I think that JJ will come in there, light it up, show that he was the five star that he once was. And I honestly think that this is a game that JJ is going to show that he's a big 10 quarterback. You see the greatness in him, the thing that's holding him back is horrible. And I can't make the true judgment on JJ McCarthy until he plays Penn State. Actually, scratch that until he plays Iowa's defense. I can't make a judgment on him. Look, he has shown the flashes. He's not playing teams that are fast, and he's the fastest player in the field. On that offense anyways so he's playing these really slow teams like Colorado State he ran all over them. right now he looks looks is the key word like a very good college football quarterback you see the potential there you see that he looks like he's that guy but this is a game that he just needs to light it up and show he's still a starter because it is his job to lose I think Michigan State blows out Akron Michigan covers this week. And I think that we're going to be going in the next week with a lot of stuff to talk about, which is I'm going to conclude this episode now. Good luck to everybody this weekend, football wise. Go Lions, go green. So I really hope that this weekend, everybody wins. We all come on to a happy podcast and happy Kenny on Monday.